This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Why don't we uh, bow our heads for another word of prayer? Let's ask the Spirit to be here. Father, we just thank you so much again for this time. We pray and ask that you would bless us, enlighten us. God, we claim James chapter five, 1, verse 5, that says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who upbraid not will give to all men liberally. And so, Jesus, we claim that promise that you would bless us with practical wisdom, spiritual wisdom, heavenly wisdom. Thank you so much for hearing prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. All right. Today's uh, message is entitled, Who's Got the Better Love Story? Who's Got the Better Love Story? Abraham, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Rachel, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel, Ruth and Boaz. Um, I have some of you already come to me and attempt to tell me what you think is the best love story. Some of you said Ruth and Boaz. Some of you have said Isaac and Rebecca. Some of you have said your own love story. Um, <laughs> The, so we're going to be talking about romance today. Romance. Now, I want to tell you something right off the back. I am no guru on romance. Okay? I don't want to come here as if I'm some kind of sage on dating and marriage. But I do want to share with you what I believe is some things that uh, are reasonable, that are scriptural, biblical, and spiritual, and uh, good for us to understand. Amen? Amen? I do want to share with you, there was actually this one time, it was about three years ago, um, Somebody calls me up and says, hey, um, there's this guy who's been hanging out with me, and uh, I don't know what to do. He hasn't made his intentions clear. Uh, you know, he wants to keep spending time with me. And so I said to her, I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you, next time he wants to spend time with you, to tell him no. And I said, don't appear emotional. Don't appear like, no. Just like, you just, you just tell him, uh, no, thank you. And do it two or three times. And then she's like, okay, what's the reason? I'm like, trust me, you'll understand why. And so she did it. He came by, and he's like, hey, let's hang out. She's like, no. And she just walked off and did what she was doing. They were both Bible working in one church. Then he came by again, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go biking. Do you want to join us? Uh, And she's like, no. And she went on to do what she was doing. And this is what happened. I get a call from him. So he calls me up, and he's like, hey, I'm interested in this girl. I knew who he was talking about. And I said, oh, yeah? And he's like, yeah, what should I do? And I said, well, what's happened? He's like, yeah, I've been hanging out with her, and, uh, you know, she said no recently. What do I do? And I said, this is what I want you to do. When she says no again, I said, I want you to say to her, hey, can we sit down and talk? And I want you just to be just right out there and just say you're interested in her, and you'd like to know more and spend some time with her. And he's like, okay. So he does it. And then she calls me back up. And she's like, Anel, this is what happened. Uh, he, I told him no, and he told me, hey, he sat down with me, and he's like, hey, let's, let's talk, let's spend time together. And uh, she's like, what do I do? And I said, tell him you will not give him an answer right now. And then he calls me up a week later, and he's, this is what happened, true story. And he's like, hey, Anel, he's like, I did what you asked me to do. And she told me just to wait a week, and I'm like, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> and you know what I felt at the end of this? By the way, they ended up dating. Mar- get, they got married, praise the Lord. And I, and I felt like I was dating myself the whole time. <laughs> I thought, what advice would I give to Anel? A male Anel and then a female Anel, right? <laughs> Anyways, so today we're going to be talking about romance. We're going to be uh, very practical. And we're going to talk about different things. So right off before we start the actual presentation, I want to ask you a question. And uh, Shana, are you here? Where's Shana at? Shana, can I borrow you for a second? Maybe I'll borrow Ravi. Ravi, can I borrow you for a second? Ravi has an Indian name. My brother-in-law's Indian name as well. Ravi, I want you to go. People, hold on to the mic. Don't let go of the mic, okay? I want you to, and uh, here's the question I want to ask you. What do you think is the most important trait that should be in another person that you potentially want to date or marry one day? Here's the caveat. Don't state the most... Uh, Obvious answers. She has to be spiritual. She has to love the Lord. And she has to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I get that. We get that right now. (laughs) Everyone understand? So besides that, you're just like, okay, they've got to have this trait. Raise your hand. Just one word. Tell us what that is. All right, we got some hands over there. 
Let's avoid a discourse. Rob, you got the mic for a reason? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Communication. Communication. Excellent. All right. Did you have one? No. No. I thought you had one. That goes along with hers. Honesty. Honesty. Okay. Anybody else? We have some hands over there against the wall. Don't be shy. Please share. Let me just slide The ability to say no. Ability to say no. Okay. Someone else have a hand? Like dare. Yes. Stability. What is it? Stability. Stability. Okay. Compatibility. Compatibility. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Um, accept me for what I am. They accept you for who you are. Okay. Good. Got some other hands over here, Ravi. going to pass. Humility and compassion for others. Okay. Let's take a few more, Ravi. Then we're almost done. Same vision. Same vision. Okay. Intelligence. Intelligence. I like the way you said it deep, too. Intelligence. <laughs> um, you might interpret this differently, but I want someone who's... I would say someone who has the, co- the quality of being calm or chill in a way that's not stressful. Someone okay. who's not immediately stressed out at anything. Okay. I'm, I understand that, yeah. Let's take those two as the last ones. Her as well? Yeah. Servant leadership. Okay. Somebody who doesn't snore. Thank you so much, Ravi. Appreciate that. All right. Well, and we'll end on that note. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and so these, are, these kinds of things are very important to discuss, and I think they're all part of this whole thing. Romance is a very important thing. Amen? Amen. All right, let's read this. Every person has an innate desire for love. God created us to love and to be loved, and relationships are part of that divine formula. We often hear amazing stories of couples falling in love. And then sharing the story in its most attractive light. And nothing is wrong with this. Each person desires a love so deep, so unique, and so special. Especially for those who are single and available, because you can be single and not available. Amen? Amen. Amen. More people need to understand that. Let's keep going. It's easy to assess these picturesque tales of romance and wonder what it should be for them. Which love story will be their love story? Which one is the greatest, right? Who has the best love story. Who has the best love story? You know, when you read the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the end of the Bible, you learn about different love stories that exist in scripture, and each one has its own bells and whistles and style and formula, and you see such beautiful pictures of Adam and Eve before their fallen condition of, uh, that's supposed to be Moses and Zephora, but the only picture I found was from Prince of Egypt. And then we have um, Ruth and Boaz and Jacob and Rachel and we have stories of Song of Solomon. I even threw in James and Ellen White in there as well. And we've heard such beautiful love stories. And it's very interesting because as we're looking at these pictures, we wonder to ourselves, which one of these is the best love story? Which one of these love stories will be like my love story? And as you're contemplating these things, I want to share with you something very abrupt. And here's the answer. Which one of these love stories is the best None of them. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't say they weren't good stories. They're all good love stories. But none of them is the ideal love story. What do I mean by that? None of them are the best human love story. There's a tendency to look at the unique ways that people came into love and then make those situations the rule or law of how it should happen for them. Can you say amen to that? I know some of you are probably looking for a well to be by today. Right? Maybe looking for some kind of uh, harvest to be around. Like, I'll just, I'll just do this thing that's found in the Bible, right? And maybe the situation will happen for me, right? Many times after observing how people begin a relationship, it becomes easy to make those unique methods and circumstances the picture of romance. Fortunately, similar to conversion, each love story is meant to be special and one of a kind, but relationships are messy. Can you say amen to that? Relationships are messy, plain and simple. You know, I went to Weimar College many moons ago, and I never forgot, 
we would have a week of prayer speaker, and you might have experienced something like this. They'll be talking about different things, and you're just, I can't wait till they talk about the, the sermon on romance. And it's like Wednesday or Thursday, they start talking about how they fell in love with their bride, who's in the audience and smiling right then and then. And you hear this amazing story, and they're just like, at the end of the story, and they're like, and I came to this place where I finally surrendered it all. And the very next day, she walked into my house. <laughs> and you come out of that story and you think to yourself, oh, oh, uh, I know why I've been single so long. I haven't surrendered. You go back to your dorm room and you're like, you gather some of your buddies, it's time for us to surrender. <laughs> Tomorrow, the Lord has an answer for us, right? And you surrender with wrong motives, right? I mean, you're really not surrendering. You're like surrendering with the hope that things will take place because you surrendered, right? And the very next day, you bring your Adventist home. We used to do this at Weimar College. We'd go into the lunch with Adventist home and sit down during lunch. I'm not even joking or exaggerating right now. Hoping some beautiful woman would see that uh, we too are interested in making a house. The letters of Adventist home would glimmer and shine to the lights, right? Seen it all, done it all, friends. And here's the thing for us to understand. That is this. Your love story is going to be different. Amen? Amen. It's not going to be as packaged as you want it to be. In fact, it's going to be very messy. So I've decided to make this as practical as possible within the sort of dynamics of that which is right and appropriate for us as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, especially living in these times, to understand and follow. Can you say amen to that? So what is that? You know, when you read Ellen White's writing, she talks a lot about being single. She talks a lot about courtship, and then she talks a lot about marriage. But she intentionally does not describe a stage from where the single person actually goes into finding somebody. And the reason why, and I think the Spirit understands this fully, is that in every culture and phase of humanity, these things would change. We're no longer living in a growing society where your father and mother will go to your neighbor's farm and they meet their father and mother. And will say to them, I have a young man. She would make, he will make a good husband for your daughter. Let us bring them together, right? We no longer live in that kind of culture anymore. Society has changed, or the society that we're a part of has changed to a great degree. It doesn't mean that parents or parentals are not involved in that, but it does mean things have changed. And it's important for us to understand what are some principles for us to understand who are perhaps in that phase or wanting to be in that phase. You study out the story of Jacob and Rachel, Isaac and Rebekah, Adam and Eve, and all these beautiful love stories, and we can extract principles, but we need to be mindful of not making those exact methods and situations our own. Can you say amen to that? Because oftentimes it sets up a scenario for us where we will be waiting a very, very, very long time for something to happen which in God did not intend it for it to happen that way. So let's continue with this. There are picturesque and idealistic pictures of romance. I was actually on a panel with somebody recently, and they shared their beautiful love story. And you know what everyone did in the audience? Aww. And this person said, man, I was in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, God, you can't provide somebody for me as a missionary. And lo and behold, a month later... Somebody came into my life there. I was in the middle of nowhere. And you know what everyone thought in the audience? I'm not going to do a single thing. I'm going to do exactly what she did. And this, what is, this is something that begins to happen many times. We hear a love story. We see a love story. We see a romantic picture of the way that God was leading. And we think to ourselves, wait a minute, that must be my story. No, we can extract principles and guidelines, but we need to be very careful of being idealistic when it comes to romance. Can you say amen to that? In fact, I've actually shown some lines that are going to be idealism at its finest. What are they? Here's one line. I am waiting for the absolutely perfect one. Number two, I'm willing to wait a long time for them to change their mind about me. Because sooner or later, things will just happen. Right? I think I know what I'm doing. Here's the other one. I don't think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just couldn't be with anyone else. No one could make me happy but this person. Here's another one. I want a love story to tell my friends and children about one day. 
I dreamt about them. I plan to write a book on how to find the right one. That's why my love story has to be packaged well. Or how about this one? The first person I plan to date in court, I'm going to be marrying that person. All right? All right. Let's continue. So we're not done yet with this. I prayed once about it. I don't need to pray about it. Here's another one. They started asking questions about God. Brother, you got to wait till she's baptized three years. All right, let's keep going with this. We're getting tattoos of our names on each other as a symbol of our commitment. Okay, let's keep going. I am praying for a special sign that we should date. Right? God already led me to this person, and even though we broke up, if we don't ultimately get together, it will mess up my witness to my Facebook friends. And I'm going to have to take down my couple's pictures, right? How about this one? I just don't have peace about them. He or she is getting out of jail early for good behavior. And if you think I just made these up, it will surprise you. Because I did not. All right. Her name is Rebecca, Rachel, or Eve. It must be God. How about this one? His name is Boaz. And I love the story of Ruth, right? What else is sort of an idealistic phrase that I said? Let's continue with this. She glanced in my direction two times today. He liked five of my social media posts. Here's another one. It's no one else's business. How about this one? Even though we've been dating for over two years now, he's still not ready to commit. He just needs more time to think about it. Two years? We are planning just to get to know each other for 12.3 months, then court for exactly 1.5 years, get married after that in a castle, and have 3.5 kids within 6.5 years. Now, friends, we are talking about idealism at its finest and we can chuckle and laugh but I know for a fact that many of us have thought or said these very same lines and I, it's probably in some of your journals as well right we've all been there right because we want to have this storybook picture of when it comes to romance but here's some amazing advice from Ellen White notice what she says right here she says this to those that have such ideas of the married life whose imagination has produced now notice this phrase an air castle picture that has nothing to do with life's perplexities and troubles will find themselves sadly disappointed in reality. If those, here's some amazing advice, who are contemplating marriage would not have miserable, unhappy reflections after marriage, they must make it a subject of serious, earnest reflection when? Now! This step taken unwisely is one of the most effective means of ruining the usefulness of young men and women. It is from the marriage hour that many men and women date their success or failure, success or failure in this life and their hopes of the future life. Friends, this is important for us to understand, right? I mean, her, her, her advice is to think about it. Amen? She wants you to reflect about it to think deeply about this and to be practical when it comes to this. And speaking of practicality, we're going to go to someone who's actually fairly successful in the marriage game. Well, who are we going to go to? We're going to go to this old man right here who happens to be a theologian, a scholar, a writer, an author, and also the founder of eHarmony. His name is Neil Clark Warren. He has written several different books and, uh, and by the way, I do want to point this out. Now, I'm not making a case for online dating, but I do want to say this. One of the reasons why it's apprehensive to many people is because it does not look like a storybook romance. But friends, it's more important of what happens after the marriage than what takes place just right before it, right? Let's continue with this. So what does this founder of eHarmony understand? Well, I, I want you to see this. This is amazing. Some of the stats of eHarmony are just staggering. Well, what are the stats from eHarmony? Take a look at this. 71% of women and 69% of men met their spouse on eHarmony. Get this, within a year. 15 million matches a day. There's some people who are really interested in getting married, right? A day are created on the site. eHarmony is responsible, get this, of 4% of U.S. marriages. 4%. How about this one? 542 people get married every day because of eHarmony. That's currently, currently. A few years ago, it was only 200 plus. 500 people are getting married a day because of eHarmony. How about this one? 600,000 eHarmony couples have gotten married. 
And this one is the part I want to get to. E-harmony divorce rate, 3.86%. 3.86%. Compared to national average, which is around 40 to 50%, somewhere in average. I checked the most current one today. I mean, this is interesting. Now, you may think to yourself, well, I, I want nothing to do with online dating. This is not about online dating. But I want you to understand something, and that is this. Apparently, they understand something about dating and romance and marriage. And it would be foolish for us to sort of bypass whatever wisdom we can glean in regards to that. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. All right, so you take this guy, Neil Clark Patrick. Uh, what was his name? I totally forgot right now. Totally forgot. Neil Clark Warren. And Neil, Neil Clark Warren, he says this right here. He says this. When you distill down what makes people uh, the most viable match for each other, where we see the greatest connections, the greatest commitments, where we see the least amount of divorce and the breakups. He says, I've distilled it down based upon all our stats, these six characteristics. Well, what are these six characteristics? Here they are. Number one, refuse to spend a sizable amount of capital for, what's that next word? Superficial capitals. Now imagine, or quality. So imagine if you were going to a grocery store, you have $50, right? And you have, uh, everything has just run out of the fridge. There's nothing left in the fridge. Are you going to be buying desserts and cakes and, you know, all sorts of vegan ice cream? What are you going to be buying for that $50 that's going to last you for two weeks? Yeah, you're going to buy beans, rice, tofu, right? You're going to buy everything cheap and sustainable, right? In other words, you're going to prioritize your need. And what he essentially says is, too many times when we take sort of a, the laundry list when it comes to qualities we're interested in a person... We, we sort of put everything on equal footing, but he says, no, no, no. What you need to do is actually hone in on the, the, the greatest ones, like the, the five or six top qualities that you're just like, absolutely, at the end of the day, this is going to be so essential when it comes to marriage, when it comes to dating, when it comes to romance. Number two, look for raw potential. What is he talking about when he means that? Look for raw potential. He's not just referring to people that don't have traits or abilities, but he's talking about individuals that perhaps may be in school and on their way to graduating and then getting a full-time job. And so he's pointing at just areas where their potential for success is there or qualities that somebody may have um, and that person is developing but not ha yet has reached. Number three, looking for a person whose most passionate dreams for the future significantly overlap your own. Now, if you're going to, let's just say, what state are we in right now? We're in Kentucky. You're going to California. You're planning to drive to California, right? And as you're driving, someone gets into your car. They're hitchhiking. You let them in, and they want to go to New York. How far are you going to get to California? Yeah, either you're going to leave that guy behind, right, and you're going to go to California, or you're going to turn around, you go to New York, and by the time you get to New York, you're probably going to be like, I don't feel like driving to California anymore. The point is this. If somebody is going to heaven, like that's their, that's their end goal, when it comes to this whole thing. You want to find someone who has that same trajectory. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That's really important. Okay, how about this one? Gravitate towards a person who places the highest value on your set of what? Qualities. Qualities. In other words, you want to find somebody who actually affirms the good things that God is doing in your life. And they place a value on those kinds of things. They can recognize those things and honestly affirm those things and appreciate those things. How about the last one? Look for a person <laughs> who sparkles most when you are together. Right? You ever seen somebody, and maybe you are with somebody, when they're just around you, they just, their face sort of lights up. A, there's just seems like a heavenly light on their face, right? Uh, people getting together, and you can just tell, like, oh, they're in love right then and there, right? By the way, you want to know what the number one predictor of divorce is? Number one predictor of divorce. Oh, that was a question. What do you think it is? I didn't say number one factor in divorce, the number one predictor in divorce rates. It is contempt. You're like, okay, I get that idea of contempt. What's the big deal? But it's specifically how contempt plays out. This is considered actually a huge predictor of divorces is the rolling of eyes. You can check out John Gottman's studies on this. And you're like, I better stop rolling my eyes. You ever roll your eyes? 
I roll my eyes all the time. But you ever see couples together where they're just rolling their eyes? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that ain't going to last very long. <laughs> but it's very important because sometimes that seems to be a, sort of a, a, a response that we have. But really, it's actually pretty negative because it's disregarding what a person is saying, what a person is doing. And it, it just kind of speaks contempt. And if you're somebody that has a problem with rolling their eyes, i.e., probably most ladies and guys, don't shoot me here, but more ladies and guys tend to roll their eyes. Ladies, you need to work on the eye rolling. Amen? Some of you are rolling your eyes right now as I'm saying this to me right now. You want to look for a person who sparkles most when you are together. I mean, we're talking about an organization that puts thousands of people together and produce a divorce rate much less than the national average. Apparently, they're doing something right. They've distilled down what they think are the top five characteristics. In other words, you've got to have this in order to contribute to the greatest amount of success when it comes to marriage and romance. So now you're thinking to yourself, and now I think I ended up in the wrong seminar. I know what you're thinking right now. I'm somebody, I get this idea, I've written it down on my journal, I have it etched on my wall, all the qualities of a person that I'm interested in. And I just don't seem to be finding anybody. Here's some advice I want to give to you. When you're looking for a creature, do you know where you go? You go where that creature lives. If you're looking for a lion, you know where you go? No, not the zoo. That's fake. (laughs) If you're looking for a lion, where do you go? Where do lions live? They live in the wilderness, right? Right, you go to the safari because that's where lions are going to be. If you're looking for somebody, you've got to find where that person lives, right? If you're looking for a bear, where do you go, friends? Yeah, you go where the bears are, right? So if you're looking, somebody, looking for somebody who's just like, I'm looking for somebody who's godly, who loves the Lord, someone who is spiritually minded, someone who's, uh, you know, just someone who's on the same path, then friends, where do you think you're going to find somebody like that? I didn't say, look. Hey, look. Any gathering where God's people are, His Spirit is there and He can guide. Amen? Amen. Amen. GYC, right? GYC. I had a bunch of people, by the way, I had a bunch of people uh, screenshot me, I guess, on the GYC live. And uh, it says, Anel Kanda, GYC. And, anyways, it was just, I was like trying to hide them on my Facebook. Hide this. I don't want others. Yeah, let's continue with this. If you're looking for a very, you know, very beautiful and rare fish, where are you going to go? Yeah, but you just don't go to the ocean, right? You've got to go to that special part of the ocean, right? If you're going to go to look for someone who's just rare, and you're looking for like that particular creature, ask yourself the question, where is this creature going to be found? And, and you're like, I've been doing all these things, I've been looking for this person, but I, I don't know where to find them. Go to where their environment is. But that's not the end of the story, friends. Today we're going to be talking about something called the like switch. What's the like switch? You're going to be looking at the formula for friendship. Friendship. Yes, the formula for friendship. Uh, You're in the environment. You see that wonderful lady. But what do you do? How do you go about it, right? And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the light switch. Light switch, by the way, was written by this man who actually used to be a spy. And what he had to do is he actually had to befriend foreign nationals, gain their trust, and eventually use them as spies. I.e., that translates into a seminar on romance at GYC. (laughs) So what was that? Oh, there we go, control, here we go, let's look at this. From a former FBI agent specializing in behavior analysis and recruiting spies comes a handbook filled with his proven strategies on how to instantly read people, influence how they perceive you, so you can, take an e- you can easily turn on the like switch. Dr. Schaefer cracks the code on making great first impressions, building lasting relationships, and understanding others' behavior to learn what they really think about you. All right, so what is the formula he gives when you're trying to win somebody, you're trying to attract somebody? He breaks it down into four areas. Proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity. And I know we're making this highly scientific, but the reason why is because these are just fundamental uh, sort of uh, elements that are part of romance in general. So what are these things? Proximity. 
People who share physical space are more likely to become attracted to one another when no words are exchanged. The key is that it must take place in non-threatening environments. Because if they're in a threatening environment, do you know what happens? They're definitely not going to be thinking about you. Right? But the more times you're around a person, it just begins to open up this sort of noticeability, right? How about this? Frequency. It's simply the number of times that you interact with the person over time. The idea is that more instances you see someone or vice versa, the more comfortable you or they become. And he actually modeled this when he was trying to win over this foreign national. He actually studied out where he was at. This man had this routine where he would go to the grocery store. So what he did is that he showed up at the grocery store. And he would show up occasionally along this man's pattern of when he would show up at the grocery store. And he would go to where this man was. And soon he began to ask questions. He began to initiate contact over and over and over again. Initially, it was superficial, but notice what starts happening over time. Something called duration. Has a unique quality in that the more time you spend with the person, the more influence they have over your thoughts and actions. Duration has a special relationship with the frequency. And here's the last one. Intensity is how strongly you are able to satisfy another person's psychological and physical needs through the use of verbal and non-verbal behaviors. Well, what kind of Cues are those. Well, he hones in on something very extraordinary, and he looked at his research, and he applied this research, and he's actually taught it to FBI agents as well. Something called the eyebrow flash, the head tilt, and a real smile. And what he noticed is that these are characteristics that actually contribute to attraction or break down attraction. Well, what are they? He noticed that the eyebrow flash, that whenever there was two people interacting with each other, and there was an extended eyebrow flash. That means the eyebrow was raised up. And some of you don't have eyebrows. You can actually pencil it in if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but you don't want to... <laughs> you don't want to hold it too long because what he found out is that a long eyebrow flash actually scented, send, uh, sent a faux signal. In other words, as the eyebrow flash was held up higher the other person began to feel uncomfortable. So what he began to understand, and you can notice this, and notice this when you see people interacting. You'll notice that when they're interested in a person or there seems to be some kind of congenial connection happening, you'll notice that the eyebrow will flash up and down. But you notice that if someone's kind of awkward or intimidated, they'll, they'll actually raise the eyebrow up and they'll hold it up. He noticed something about the head tilt. What's the head tilt? The head tilt, head tilt is where the head was raised up and the neck was made vulnerable. And he noticed it that this, whenever this was being done, I'm making myself vulnerable to all of you right now. <laughs> he noticed that when this was done, and by the way, these are tactics they now they teach to FBI agents, that this was indicating a kind of openness and welcomeness, a welcome spirit. So if you notice when people are talking, interacting, you'll notice sort of a head tilt will take place, and they're exposing their uh, carotid arteries right then and there, right? <laughs> what about the last thing right here? A head tilt to the right or left is a non-threatening gesture. People who tilt their head when meeting other people are seen as more trustworthy and attractive. Now you're joking, but you do this all the time. And you can even see it in conversation. You'll notice the eyebrow flash, and you'll notice the head tilt. And it's indicating an openness and connection. Well, what else did he find out? A smile. It's a powerful friend signal. Smiling faces are judged to be more attractive, more likable, and less dominant. A smile portrays confidence, happiness, enthusiasm, and acceptance. Genuine smiles are more symmetrical and timed differently than fake smiles. Can you give me an example of when someone might give a fake smile? Yeah. I can give you, right, I can give you a fake smile right now. Okay, right? But people who have just sort of this smile... And you can see when they smile, it sort of lights up the room, right? When a person just has this good smile, you can just see like, man, that, that person has a good smile. By the way, you have to read this quote from Ellen White. She actually talked to this minister who, who was preaching that Jesus never smiled. Type in the word smile. And she said, she told this minister, you are wrong. Jesus smiled and welcomed, you know, all those that were within his vicinity. Jesus, somebody who smiled. And it's really important because... You'll notice this, that even as we walk up to people and try to connect with people, that if we walk up in such a way that's intimidating, and especially like me, I grew up in Orange County. I grew up in kind of sort of a defensive uh, era of my life where sometimes when I walk up to people, I'll go up against, what's up, man? 
I mean, that does not look friendly, right? Like, I'm not, I'm like, this guy does not seem like, oh, this, I want to get to know one now, right? He thinks, well, is this guy going to shank me right now? Does he want my wallet? Does, what, what does he want? But you'll notice even the way that we approach people, it is there. It is there in our conversations. It is there in our connections. One of the reasons that I think we have a problem sometimes with connecting with people is because we're not aware of sort of the nonverbal language that we are communicating towards other people. So I, I want to challenge you on this. Even today, pay attention to sort of the eyebrow flash, the head tilt, right? And even a smile. A prolonged smile can be a very beautiful thing, and it opens people up. As you're trying to perhaps get to know somebody, and you're just like, man, how do I, how do I crack this box, right? Flash those eyebrows. <laughs> not, not creeper like that. <laughs> not like that, right? But in a way that's just kind of like welcoming. Tilt the head a little bit. Now you just say, come on, is it really important? Let me tell you something. It's very important. Your body language communicates a lot to people. And you're like, okay, Pastor Noel, I get it. I get it. There, I, there's, I, you talked about the environment. You talked sort of about sort of the approach and the connection and the duration. I need to sort of initiate contact. Now, you don't want to be creeper about this, okay? You know what creeper is? What's a creeper? Someone who shows up every single place that you're at. You walk out of the bathroom, they're right there staring at you. <laughs> You're going into the booths, right? And you see them walk the other way, and somehow they ran the other way, and they, they oh, oh, I didn't see you there. And you're like, I just saw you run all the way there, and you came right over here, right? You want to be natural about it, right? But you want to be able to connect with people, right? And it's important that you just sort of just, just ask yourself, okay, what's my body language communicating? Um, is this something that's natural and normal? And yes, it is. And, and here's the thing. And I, I want to be as frank with you as possible on this issue, okay? Beware of idealism. Beware of idealism. It's this idea that things are going to work out exactly the way you want them to work out in regards to romance. It is not. It's going to be messy. It's going to be something where you're going to probably try. You may fail. You, you may get to the place where, like, man, I just bombed it, and they don't want anything to do with you. But you know what? You're going to have to move on and find somebody else. Amen? Amen. I mean, I know we love to hear those stories about how that person was like, and I just saw them, and I knew they were going to be my wife, and I've waited for them nine and a half years, and finally they turned around and told me they'd be open to a relationship. And we're like, Maybe I need to wait nine and a half years for the love of my life. No, you don't. You will be waiting a very, very long time. And you will come to that and you will say, man, I spent so much time focusing on one person, believing they were the only one. And I have wasted so much time. And you think, come on. Is God going to really let that happen? God works with our decisions. He works with sort of the interplay of human interaction that exists. In fact, I'm going to just... Uh, add a little bit more to this in just a little bit. But let's take a good look at this. What characteristics do you notice in these two, this uh, couple right here? Raise your hand. You're like, ah, I picked up on something. What is that? Raise your hand. Pick, raise your hand. Yes. What is something you notice? Huh? The head tilt. Yeah, right there. She's exposing her carotid arteries right there, right? What else do you notice? Anybody else? Yes. What do you notice? Raised eyebrow. She has a raised eyebrow right here. It may look like, she, yes. It's, it's a what else do you notice? She's smiling right here. And how about this guy right here? You can kind of make out his, his little crack right there. His cheeks are raised, indicating he smiles. His eyebrows seem to be more exposed. We're overly analyzing this, but that's okay, right? How about this? What do you notice right here about this interaction? Raise your hand. What, what do you notice about this interaction right over here? Yes. Yes. Right? And this doesn't seem like a, like a smile he just put on a moment. He's holding this smile, right? Yeah. And she seems to be talking with that smile right there. Right? She brushes her teeth, obviously, right? What else do you notice? Any other body language right here? Yes. Yeah, she's got good eye contact, right? Right? She's looking at his eyes or maybe a pimple on his nose. One of the others or she's connected to something right there, right? They're close. Body language, right? The, the, what you see right here is sort of this idea of like, Hey, they're connecting. They're getting to know each other. 
there exists sort of these, these dynamics of attraction that seem to be happening, right? How about this one? She's done. She's done. He's got this. He's got a, he's got a watch on that hand right there. <laughs> what do you notice? What do you notice there? Raise your hand. You're like, oh, I picked up on this. I'm, I'm honing in on the body language right here. I get it. Yes. The smile that's there, right? What else? Engaging, right? What else? She's getting engaged, yes? Sorry, I was trying to... Yes, they're leaning towards each other. Anything else? Yes, in the back. She's twirling her hair, right? You ever see when women do this sometimes as they're talking to you, right? All of a sudden, they're just like... Right? Oh, they go like this. All right, let's continue with this. All right, here we go. Let's look at GYC uh, suggestions on making friends or potential spouses. Here we go. Number one, shh. Be friendly and social. Can you say amen to that? There's nothing questionable about being nice and respectful. Don't be a creeper, though, and don't stare too long. Eyebrow flashes, hold it, right? Hey, where are you from? There's an example. Number two, be open to the impressions of the spirit. Avoid overpowering feelings. You know what an overpowering feeling is? This is my wife. And I now claim her before all of GYC. No man shall touch her, right? Yeah, watch out for that kind of overpowering feeling, right? Here's the thing. God does speak through impressions, but he always wants us to trust the principles of his word. Impressions are not always a trustworthy guide. Can you say amen to that? Right? In fact, I think sometimes, and this is just my uh, idea on this, and just understand the way that I feel that God has interacted with me, sometimes impressions are meant to be understood in retrospect for a bigger lesson. All right, that can open up another can of worms. Let's continue with this. Number three, plan future ministries events to participate together in, right? Safe way to hang out. Are you going to iShare? Are you going to SWYC? Are you going to one of these events? And that's totally cool. You're totally safe. And if they were to shut you down, you could walk away. You're like, I didn't get rejected. They rejected the Lord by not going to the city. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just... All right, let's continue with this. The very least, try to network. It opens doors to meeting other people and increases your success in this area. Example, add me on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, let's go to the prayer thing together, right? Number five, I think that is. Occasionally talk about other things. It's a good way to get to, to make people know you are normal. Optional suggestion. Hey, something happened to me on the way here. But if you are a feast keeper and trinitarian, don't go there to find a spouse. Go to one of the GYC seminars first. Let's continue. Have friends to help you out. I'm talking about good, loyal friends, right? Not the friends that, are, that love to joke, right? They will sabotage you. Watch out for those friends. You love them to death, but watch out. Don't, you, you want to make sure your wingman's a good wingman, right? It's not going to crash the plane. All right, let's continue with this. Let them know you're excited about GYC and don't come across with any specific agendas. Just dare to fellowship and worship. Here's the thing. Our primary reason for being here is should not be romance. Amen? Amen? But it does not mean that it is not a reason for being here. Amen? You're like, can you repeat that again? Yes. It is not your primary reason for being here. It's about coming closer to God, understanding His will for our lives. Amen? Amen? But it does not mean it cannot be a reason for you being here also. Just not the primary one, right? Remember Gideon's men? Right? Take the water, close to your mouth, but keep your eyes on the prize, right? Let's continue with this. I'm going to listen to the sermon and try to figure out what that means. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. Act confident, even if you know you don't know what you're doing. People want to know that you aren't falling apart, unstable, or insane. Amen? Here's the next one. I would also add dress well, okay? Now, I probably wish I should have taken this stuff down right here, so I'm just going to say this with a grain of salt. Don't wear a three-piece suit the whole entire time, okay? Ladies, avoid long dresses with tennis shoes. <laughs> Business casual usually works. And don't be afraid to compliment, hey, you look nice, and then stare. Just kidding, don't stare. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing to understand, okay? Now, everyone has their own style, right? 
I mean, some people have that kind of style, the dress style, the, the look style of like they've been trapped on a desert island for like 10 years. Like that's their style, right? Some people have that style where they look like they work for Pee Wee Herman and now dress like him with those floodwater pants. Have you seen that round? I do not know why some guys are wearing that. Anyways, that's my personal opinion, right? Regardless of what their style is, here's the thing. You got to make sure you smell good. Amen. It doesn't matter if you got a beard as long as Moses, right? But if you smell good, that's a good thing, right? And I'm not talking about Axe Cologne here, okay? You know, where you just downsee it out like your bug spray on you. No, no, no. Men, the best way to do cologne is this. The best way, where it's not overpowering. You don't say, you spray like this. And then walk into it. People are walking by you, they're not going to be, oh, what is that smell? You know, Calvin Klein is here, right? But they're going to walk by and they're talking to you, all of a sudden they're like, mmm, delicious. No, not like that, right? We need to, I probably, I probably should not have said that. Anyways, let's continue with this, okay? Right? Okay, okay. Uh, be focused on seminars when you're scoping out potentials. Ask intelligent questions of the presenter. Participate in the meetings and learn. Amen? During meals, sit with new people. We're going to break out of our cliques. And you're like, wait, wait, what if I don't know anybody? That's the point. Right? I mean, many of us, we're sitting with people we know. But I want to challenge you while you're here, at least half the times that are remaining that you have lunch or meal, sit with people you don't know. And you can have one wingman with you, but not three or four. Right? Sit with people, get to know people, and um, j- just try to connect with people. And if someone that catches your eye, say, hey, I'm going to go scope out the field a little bit. Right? Just hang out, check, talk, connect. That's all you need to do. You're totally safe. Let's continue with this. Be talkative, listen to, be interested in what people are saying. Providence seems to happen around food. Back when you study out the Old Testament into the New Testament, oftentimes when food is taking place, it's being served. Amazing things. God seems to be up to amazing things. Luke 24, right? The, the, the Lord was revealed in the breaking of the bread. Read the story in Genesis chapter it's 18, I believe it is, when uh, uh, Abraham is serving the two angels and the Lord, right? There seems to be this, this providence around food. Let's continue. Knowing we are praying for your success, trust God's plan and keep refocusing on your mission there. God will lead. Think people are praying for me. Can you say amen to that? Amen. People are praying for me. Anyhow, for those not going, that's something else. I'll continue with that. When you look at the story of in the book of Genesis, actually, do you know the longest chapter in the book of Genesis is actually Genesis chapter 24? It is where Rebecca leaves her her town and comes to where Isaac is at. That's the longest chapter in Genesis chapter 24 and consider close to the very middle of the book of Genesis. But it's amazing, when you study out this story, uh, Isaac really is not the main character in the story. It is the servant and it is Rebecca. In fact, Rebecca actually serves as sort of a female Abraham in that story. Well, how do we know this? Because she is the one that leaves her hometown. And even when her brother and her family blesses her, they actually give her an Abrahamic blessing when you become the mother of nations. She is the one that is faced with leaving and following the voice of God. But it's powerful. When I was studying out this chapter, do you know that the word Lord appears 17 times in this chapter? But he does not speak once in this whole chapter. Do you know what word appears there another time, 17 times? The word go. The word go. Indicating that in the midst of the providences that were taking place and seemingly just strange events that were happening, God was leading in the shadow, but it was up to Rebecca. It was up to the servant still to make choices in the midst of those circumstances and situations. And those choices all required action in the end. Can you say amen to that? They all required action in the end. So winding down, here we go. Number one, there's a God who is trustworthy with this area of our lives. Be wise, be humble, and be mindful. Can you say amen to that? 
Number two, learn as much as you can from mentors and other older, experienced, godly people. And I say this as sweet as I can say this, but if you're not talking to a mentor or someone older and godly about a relationship that you're in or you want to get in, that ought to raise red flags for you. There's a reason why you're not discussing with them. Perhaps some kind of fear of accountability. But if you're fearing accountability, then that should be to you some kind of um, uh, indicator. Wait a minute. Maybe I'm trying to do this in a way that may not be healthy. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and he was just stumbling and trying to connect with this female. And I asked him one question. I said, hey, have you talked to any mentors besides this? You've been trying for a few months. He's like, no, I haven't. I said, hmm, I think that's the first problem here. I think you need people to help you see maybe what you're not seeing right now and maybe why you're failing. And so I gave him some advice. He actually implemented it, and things are now improving. And I praise God for that. But he was willing to take advice, the first being you need to take advice. How about this one? Your love story may not look as beautiful and packaged as you want it to be. I'm going to say this one more time. Your love story may not look as beautiful and packaged as you want it to be. Amen? But it's going to be more important than the wedding ceremony is going to be in the marriage. What that looks like for the rest of your life. That's going to be the most important thing, not the ceremony. Those things are just going to last about a day. Probably two years in planning, but just a day, right? It's being married. That is the real work. That is where, at the end of the day, you're like, man, this is what really matters. Relationships are messy and still no guarantee everything is going to work out well. I have known of so many instances where people have done the will of God, they felt good about a person, and relationships took place that were very healthy, and then something tragic happens, and that person is crippled and disabled for the rest of their life. And it's like, why? How do you make reason or rhyme out of that? You know about stories where people were totally, where God was definitely um, uh, just providentially leading, and they were doing all the right things. And this was the person they were just so in love with. But you know what happened? He cheated on her. You look at all these things about relationships, and and let me just take this a step further. If we struggle with God who is trustworthy, who will never fail us, and is loyal and good to us, don't think for yourself for a second that, wait a minute, you're not going to have struggles with another human being. You're going to struggle with another human being. We are dealing with sinful nature here. And and we're going to be confronted by the humanity of that person inevitably. And it's going to just sort of uh, challenge your pictures of the providences of God. But the one thing you can guarantee of at the end of the day is that last thing. The only thing is that God will be with you every step of the way. Can you say hallelujah to that? God will be with you through the tough times, through the good times, through the times that seem to work well and the times that don't seem to work well. God will walk with you in the valleys and on the mountaintops. Amen? Let's bow our heads for, the, for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much again for this presentation. And Lord, as we've just taken so much information in, and God, we thank you that you are writing something out special for each person here. Lord, even though it may not look what always we want it to look like, we thank you, God, that in the end, you seek our best and our good. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be full of faith and willing to step out too when you call us. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.